In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. There's a lot vying for our attention right now, I think you'd agree. The Select Committee to Investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol is holding hearings and sharing findings. The U.S. Supreme Court struck down a New York law restricting gun-carrying rights. Congress passed and the President signed a bipartisan gun measure. The U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, returning the question of whether abortion should be legal to state legislatures. And these are just a few of the legal and political shockwaves from the past week. Other things vying for our attention include the war in Ukraine, the rising cost of living, and the triple-digit heat in Dallas. The heat is rising in our country. My purpose today is not to take sides on hot-button issues or oversimplify complex questions. If you'd like to know where the Episcopal Church as a denomination stands on these questions or what Presiding Bishop Curry has said this week, visit episcopalchurch.org slash public affairs. My purpose today is to reflect on how being a follower of Christ matters in times like these. What difference do the cross and the resurrection make, not so much in terms of which position to take, but how to be vessels of grace in the midst of it all? How does being a disciple of Jesus equip us to love broadly and to bridge the gaps between us? When Jesus said, follow me, he meant it, knowing that the life he was calling his disciples to was demanding, lonely, sometimes dangerous. His goal was not to increase his disciples' suffering. His goal was to lead them to abundant life. But he knew that in a world that had forgotten how to love as God loves, the road would be difficult at times. And so my purpose today is to call us to the love of Jesus, regardless of whether we are celebrating, grieving, both, or just plain exhausted. As followers of Jesus, we have something unique to offer the world, and it usually means loving others more than we love ourselves. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus is trying to get his followers to stay focused. In the first part of the lesson, the Samaritans won't give Jesus and his disciples lodging because they're heading toward Jerusalem, the site of the Jewish temple and all that the Samaritans fear and loathe. James and John, confident in their position, confident in the power of their master, asked Jesus if they should rain down fire upon the Samaritans. Now, before we get to Jesus' response, let's think about how much we are like James and John today. Their thought process and ours sometimes goes like this. We're right on the issue People who disagree with us are misguided, stupid, or worse. 
how satisfying would it be to call down fire from heaven and burn up those who stand in our way? Our way is the only way and everyone else needs to get in line or suffer the wrath of God. That is not unlike the message coming from many pastors in Dallas today. Intolerance is a uniquely human trait. What does Jesus do in response to James and John? First, and it's just a word and it's easy to miss, he turns toward them. He pauses his journey to Jerusalem just long enough to make eye contact with them and make sure they're paying attention. And then he rebukes them. Rebukes. It's a very strong word. Reserved for those moments when Satan is trying to tempt Jesus to take a lesser path. Jesus is not patient with James and John. He's not particularly kind. Jesus is pointing out that their desire to destroy their enemies has nothing to do with abundant life in God. Jesus makes it clear that if anyone is going to follow him, they must be grounded in mercy and leave the rest to God. In the second part of today's lesson, new people begin following Jesus, some of their own accord, some are called by him, and in every case, Jesus makes it clear that his is a demanding path. To the first one who says he will follow Jesus wherever he goes, Jesus says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This is not going to be an easy road. To the second one who asks if he can bury his father, Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Nothing can get in the way of the community that Jesus is building. And to the third one who asks if he can bid farewell to his family, Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We must be all in. Jesus is even more demanding of his followers than Elijah was of Elisha in today's Old Testament lesson. Elijah told Elisha, sure, go back and do what you need to do and then follow me. Jesus is the new Elijah and he turns it in a new way. It's as if Jesus understands the cost of following him. He wants to make sure his disciples are clearly informed. Do you really want to follow me? Do you really want to go where I go and die as I die? Now that Jesus has turned to Jerusalem, he knows the fury and the hatred that await him there. He knows that he will be betrayed by one of these followers. He knows he will be turned over to the religious authorities who claim to represent the interests of God. He knows he will be sentenced to a cruel death reserved for non-Roman criminals and revolutionaries. Jesus knows the consequences of turning his face toward Jerusalem, but his followers have no idea. They still think Jesus is here to overthrow Rome, not follow the way of love to its ultimate expression. Jesus wants to make sure that they know what they're signing up for. They're not signing up for victory as the world defines it. They're signing up for a love that knows no bounds. Are you ready for that? Are we ready to follow Jesus? Are we ready to set our faces toward Jerusalem and walk the way of the cross? 
Are we ready to trust God so much that we're not afraid of death, confident that God will raise us on the last day? Friends, we don't come to church to be comfortable. We don't participate in the body of Christ to maintain the status quo. We follow Jesus because the Holy Spirit that has been given to us recognizes him as the way and the truth and the life. We know that Jesus faithfully represents the interests of God and will lead us into a reality that is so much fuller than the reality we know today. We follow Jesus toward the cross, knowing that if we die a death like his, we will also enjoy a resurrection like his because we know what true love looks like. We have tasted it. We refuse to settle for anything else. So how might focusing on the love of Jesus help us today? How might walking the way of the cross bring healing and peace in our context? You could answer that, self, that question for yourself. What would it look like for you to lean into the love of Jesus? Here are a couple possibilities, especially as it relates to abortion. Maybe someone who supports a woman's right to choose will find a legal way to help a poor woman receive the care she needs. Maybe someone who carries deeply about the lives of unborn children will adopt a baby or foster a child. Maybe someone who normally hides from conflict or imagines their views don't matter will vote. Loving Jesus doesn't mean ignoring the world. Loving Jesus means letting God lead us into new expressions of care and commitment that are consistent with who we are and who Jesus is. We need to see people who differ from us or even oppose us as children of God. We don't call down fire upon those who disrespect us, but commend them to the mercy and wisdom of God. There are forces of evil referenced in our baptismal covenant, which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God and tempt us to forget the dignity of every human being. We must never cooperate with these unholy forces. And second, those who follow Jesus will love others at least as much as they love themselves. What did Jesus' love look like in the Gospels? He freed people from evil. He healed them of illness. He extended community to the outcast. He forgave those who hurt them, hurt him. He rose to new life and redeems us by his mercy. That's what the love of Jesus looks like, and that's the kind of love we're being invited to lean in to at this time. And it will look different. It will have a variety of expressions depending on who you are. It's okay if we do the love of Jesus differently. Let's just make sure it's the love of Jesus we're leaning into. We are the hands and heart of Jesus in the world. We have an opportunity to practice the way of love that is consistent with our conscience and respectful of one another. But there are so many distractions on the road to love, so many siren calls leading us to something that is not God. Some will oversimplify the issues and demonize their opponents. Some will succumb to cynicism and despair, giving up even trying to perceive the kingdom of God that is among us. 
The kingdom of God is here. What does that look like in our lives? Jesus is trustworthy. He leads us to abundant life. He shows us what community looks like and how to trust the Holy Spirit within us. We listen carefully for his voice, resisting the distractions all around. And we rebuke Satan, who wants nothing more than for us to destroy our enemies in the name of God. Stay focused on Jesus. He will heal your heart and he will open it to ones you never imagined loving. Amen.